The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is... The Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. fans welcome to liberty blue the best rangers podcast in town i am andrew chelney alongside nick zararis we scream about the rangers so that you don't have to this is episode 45 live on twitter twitch and youtube and we're available wherever you get your podcasts as well today's show is all about the rangers versus devils playoff battle today is also the first day of the stanley cup playoffs and we get we will get into a whole lot more nick go time baby this is what you play for man you, you play to get here and then we get to see what these guys are made of this is what you spend all season working for you think about everything the rangers have gone through this year the devils have gone through the, all the teams and that's what makes the nhl playoffs so compelling is the variance and how little the regular season ultimately really matters and because the nhl we, this is widely known Highest variance of any playoffs of the four major North American sports. The lower seed wins in the NHL playoffs more than any other playoff format. And we are going to see some really good examples of that. I mean, you think about this. The Rangers are finished, I think, seventh in the entire league in standings points. And they are the underdog and betting underdog in this series, which is kind of insane when you think about just how good a season the Rangers have had. This is this is the best time of year, man. You get to double box in. There's, multi, there's two games on running concurrently. The NHL, like you said before we started recording, finally threw us a bone. You got 7, 7.30, and then 9.30, 10 o'clock. So one will be at intermission. You can go over to the other one and then bounce back. It, it, this is the best time of year as a sports fan. No, it's great. And we got the NBA playoffs. We yep. got the NHL playoffs. The Knicks are in the playoffs. The Rangers are in the playoffs. So thoughts and prayers to my mental stability, please. I beg of you because I will need them. Uh, but the Knicks are up 1-0 in the series. And, you know, maybe maybe things are looking up for my mental stability in, in terms of that. But, yeah, I mean, like, this is this is really fun. Whether, yeah. you know, if, if you're a, a fan of one of the teams that are playing, or even if you're just a hockey fan, the playoffs are the best time of the year. It is so much fun. It is, su- it is such a different level of play. The regular season, for sure. I mean, teams are obviously trying, and they're giving it all most of the time, and they they're, they want to win the game, for sure. But the playoffs... Every shift is is you know we we have to win we have to do this we have to do that and if we don't we lose the game and we might be out of the playoffs like this is this, the the playoffs are just on a whole different at a whole different level in terms of the pressure and the environment I mean like you know these are all the cliches that, it's got the juice this it's is, got yeah, the yeah. juice insert cliches here but for hockey especially like it the I I just feel like it, the the intensity reaches a whole nother level that really like it's it's tough to match in any other sense of the word like it is if you ever get the ability to go to a playoff hockey game oh man you it is it is something else it is absolutely something else 
It's the hardest trophy to win in all of sports. You heard what I just said before about it being the highest variance where the lower seeded team wins more often than not. There is going to be something funky that happens in the next two weeks. Maybe Florida can steal two games and make the Bruins sweat a little bit. Maybe the Kraken can sneak into the second round. There are a whole bunch of opportunity here. So let's get down to it. Rangers, Devils, these are two teams that have played relatively recently. I think they played on, I want to say it was March 30th or March 28th. I forget whatever the Thursday was. It was a 2-1 game. Pretty close, even though it didn't feel that way in the moment. Played four total times in the regular season. The Rangers went one, two, and one in those four games. Outscored 14 to 11 in all situations. Five on five, outscored 10 7. Outscored the Devils on special teams three to two. Biggest thing for me, and just knee drop, knee jerk, like my biggest worry right now is the Rangers haven't really played a meaningful game in about a week and a half now. And it's going to be really hard for them to just get up to speed right out of the gate against the Devils team that we know starts fast. I mean, you think about that game on the 30th, the Devils came out of the gate flying. They got up 2 nothing early, and the Rangers spent the rest of the game chasing away. And eventually they got back in it and made it close there at the end. But based on the fact that it's really hard to turn it on and off. And you heard multiple guys on the team over the last few weeks say, hey, we got to start, we got to get these good habits in the line now because when the playoffs come, you have a bad two games in a row and you're down, you're in a two nothing hole. It's really hard to get it going again. They need to. Yeah. Like the, the one thing for me is the devil's speed, because we've talked yeah. about this all season and we've kind of, it's been, you know, kind of the, 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 the battle here for, for a while now we kind of, it hasn't been official until, until now, obviously, but it's kind of been, you know, in the standings, you take a look and you go, oh, well, the the most likely b- battle is going to be Rangers and Devils in the first round. And then here, and lo and behold, here we are. The the Devils have a lot of speed. And yeah. it's up to the Rangers to match the the foot speed that the Devils have. And that's that's hard because the Devils are, at, at least from point A to point B, the faster team. It is up to the Rangers to slow that down. Now, it, they could get into a, a, a race if they so choose, but that will probably end in the devil's favor. If they if they want to win the series, and the Rangers are a good team, they have you know all the all the tools to be able to do that. They need to slow down the Devils any way, shape, or form. They need to prevent odd man rushes. They need to prevent these outlet pa- these these long outlet passes to a speedy winger to because if if for a lot of teams if you if you give them an outlet pass a lot of their player you know a lot of players can catch up to somebody on you know a potential breakaway like a lot of players uh, on other teams aren't as fast the devils players are so fast if you give them a little bit of of space you are not catching up to them they are a really dangerous team in that regard. They are going to try to create space. They are going to to, to basically, you know, get a get a head start on the race and say, "Catch me if you can," because you can't. So the the for the Rangers, the number one priority for them is how do we make sure that the Devils don't create that space for them to get that head start in the race. So I forget which preview I was reading and they solicited opinions from a few anonymous people around the league. And the way it was put in the article I found was very interesting. The person said the Rangers have enough speed where it won't be a total slaughter in a track meet. The thing for the Rangers would be, are they disciplined enough to say, hey, we know we're pretty quick, but they're faster than us. 
can we have the self-control to not turn this into an open-ended track meet and play a little bit more structured, especially in the neutral zone, and really work for our offense in a way that's typically more commiserate with success in the playoffs? Because we know, generally speaking, and, and anecdotally and statistically, teams that play mostly off of the rush struggle in the playoffs because those rush opportunities aren't there. Because against the teams you're playing in the playoffs, they're better defensively, they're faster, they're more talented. So it's going to be harder to get those rush opportunities. A team like the Devils, which is the best rush offense in the entire league, whereas the Rangers are closer to middle of the pack in terms of rush offense, but also middle of the pack in cycle offense. There's your opportunity for how do you slow down a team that's really good in transition? You cycle them into oblivion. You make them work to go the full 200 feet of the ice. The Rangers are going to have to get into those ugly areas of the ice, and they're going to have to make the Devils go the full 200 feet. If that play in the neutral zone isn't there, and there's a perfect example I can tie back to the game on the 30th, that turnover that led to the first Devils goal where Kako forces it to his right when there's not really anyone there, but the pressure's coming at him, that's where it becomes a challenge for them. And when you have that neutral zone play, you have to have the self-control to say, hey, I know I could probably make this play, but I need to cross hat center ice and I need to get this puck in. If the Devils have to go 200 feet every single time to create offense, that's going to work for us. If you are in that situation where you're turning the puck over in the neutral zone because you're trying to pass laterally because they're aggressively playing you in the in the neutral zone, you are going to t- be giving the Devils the opportunity where they're not going to have to go the full length of the ice. This is very straightforward, and I'll make the simple comparison. In football, it's a lot easier to get the ball at your own 40-yard line and go 60 yards than it is to get the ball out of your own end zone on a touchback and have to go 80. That's exactly the way the Rangers need to be thinking about this is we can make those high leverage, difficult, challenging plays, but sometimes the simple play is going to allow you to survive until the next play because in the playoffs, it is about choosing your spots and knowing when to be aggressive and when to be passive. And this is a Rangers team that lives and dies by the high leverage play, both by their forwards and by their defensemen. That makes this a very volatile series where you are going to see large swings in momentum because the Rangers are so inclined to make risky plays. That's really one of the key components for how the series is going to go is what's going to happen in the neutral zone because the Rangers are not particularly, they are not disciplined enough to make the high percentage play. They always insist on making that, that extra pass, that dangerous pass in the neutral zone because they have the skill. That's the thing. Do they have the discipline to make the right play in these difficult situations? Yeah, well, the Rangers have to essentially cycle them in, into oblivion. The, the, for the Devils, yes. for the for the Rangers to beat the Devils, like you said, it was a good play, and I agree with you. It is a lot harder to create offense when the puck is behind your own net, and you have to go the entire length of the ice to have a possibility of creating space when you're already 30, 40 seconds into a shift. If if the Rangers, let's say the fourth line is out there and they've been showing that they could do this over the past six to eight weeks where they just cycle you to death, they will cycle and they will tire you out such that, you know, in 30, 40 seconds when the, you're tired, there's an open man in front of the net and the Rangers score. Like yeah. the Rangers, Rangers fourth line has the ability to do that. So, the devil the rangers need to have all four lines doing that essentially where if the de- like the devils can't use their speed it is yeah. a lot harder to use your speed when you are tired that you know it's not i'm not you know it, this is this is not rocket science here right like you can't go 100% from point a to point b if you're 45 seconds into a shift and you're tired 
Like it is, it is a lot harder for the Devils to create offense that way. But if the Rangers, for whatever reason, think, "Hey, we're we're fast enough, we can do this track meet sort of, you know, I'll beat you in a race type of thing," they're going to get dumpstered. Like it is, it is very point blank to 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 see like the Devils are are a faster team. They like creating space in their own way. And for the Rangers, if they if they counter with, "Well, we can do that too," that's not going to work. If they the best way to counter the devils is to beat them at their own game. If they if they want to create that a lot of space and you don't give it to them, and that is how they create a lot of their offense, well then that's a really good way to counter that high that high speed, high flying offense that they've had that they've been implementing this entire season. But if the Rangers don't do that, I, I can't see as I can't really see a whole lot of scenarios in which it ends well for them. So one of the points I just made before was about the Rangers needing to get off the good starts in these games because the Devils start fast. So in first periods against the Devils this year, the Rangers were outscored six to four. Of course, you know, that's not the most scientific statistic. There's variance involved, but I do think that speaks to what we know. The Rangers are not a particularly fast starting team. They are prone to making mistakes, especially in the neutral zone. And the Devils are a team that thrives on forcing you to make a difficult play in the neutral zone, which is just get it going in and you can force them into making mistakes. You think about the Devils on the back end. They've been playing Kevin Ball with Dougie Hamilton. You can expose Kevin Ball if you cycle him. He's not particularly fast. You think about Damon Severson, maybe Luke Hughes. It might not be Luke Hughes. It could be someone else on that third pair with Severson. Somebody else. You are able to force into making mistakes. You think about that second pair where you think about Siegenthaler. You think about Ryan Graves. Okay, you are going to have opportunities against that group if you make them work. If you're just trying to skate around them through the neutral zone, they are going to stand you up. Those are tall guys with long reaches. You need to get that puck behind them. Force them to turn entirely around and get going into a foot race with you. If you try and turn this game into a 200-foot struggle for space, you will have a good chance. One of the other things in that preview that I've read before was the Rangers are one of the biggest teams in this playoffs in terms of size and weight, which sounds weird to us because, you know, we don't strike – the Rangers don't strike you as a particularly physical or imposing team. But you think about some of the guys on this team who are on the bigger side, like a Kreider like a Truba, like a Tarasenko, who aren't afraid to, you know, get involved physically. There will be a lot of shenanigans in this series. These are division rivals. They played each other a bunch. There was a little bit of that in the game on the 30th between these teams. The after the whistle stuff will be important. And mitigating that means when you get your power play opportunities, you need to convert on them. Yep. There, You are going to be in a situation where the Rangers formula this entire season has been Close to even at even strength, goaltending, special teams. You need at least two of those three in the playoffs to get through the first round. Beyond that, you're going to need all three going at once if you want to realistically go for the Stanley Cup. I think it was Hockey Statminer who said it a few weeks ago that they've never been above average at two of those three at the same time this year, and that's part of why it's felt so jagged and inconsistent this year. Even though they have one of the best records in the entire league, more than 100 points in the standings, they need to find that the right balance of we're going to create our offense, we're going to be close at five on five, we got a slam dunk on our special teams. We need our kill to be the best it's been all year. And we need our power play to be what it's been the last few weeks where it's been close to that one out of every four. That's the Rangers formula. Those are the three components for a successful Rangers playoff run. The thing about this Rangers team that is that they're very strange in that 
not everything has gone well for them. And yeah. yet, despite them looking kind this of... This team has played Ben Harper for the last yeah, month and a half. They, like, there's been, like, a week stretch where they've looked really good, followed by a week and a half stretch where they've looked okay, and followed by maybe, like, a game where they've looked really good, and then the next two games they look like trash. It's been very kind of... A, a strange season and yet despite how they've played they've won a bunch of games like, yeah. th- like that it, like that just speaks to the strangeness the and the weirdness that is the sport of hockey like if you go if you you know play baseball like that if you play football like that or basketball or, or what have you if you play that strangely for the entire season you are not going to win equally as many games as you could potentially in hockey like hockey is just a weird sport man like you can play terribly and still win because hockey's weird like you if you shoot you know 16 16 of 80 from the from the field as as an nba team you ain't winning but if you you know if you shoot eight shots on goal in, over the course of an nhl game but five of those go in you won like this is it's a strange it's a, such a strange sport and the variance of it May, it makes what what is already a difficult series to predict all that more unpredictable. You can you can tell me any any prediction that that you might have, and I could tell you, yeah, I could see it. I could you know if you tell me Devils in four or Rangers in seven or Rangers in four or whatever, I could be like, yeah, I see it. Like yeah. the, all all you need is a bad week or a good week or you know all everything to go well for you four games in a row and all of a sudden you just swept and all now you're on to round two like th- this is this is such is so high variance so unpredictable you know the winning goal can come from can, can come from the red line bounce off of seven people and it goes in the net because hockey is weird like some a lot of series is are unpredictable because of that but this series in particular could literally go a hundred different ways so you were talking about the variance. So I'll run through it right quick. FanDuel has the Devils at minus 126, the Rangers at 105. DraftKings, 120, Rangers, 100. BetMGM, 120, Rangers, 100. The Athletics model has it 55-45 for the Devils. Money Puck has it 57-43 for the Devils. Pretty much that speaks to what you're saying, that I could see it going a lot of different ways. I think the biggest gap I saw was... 5941 and that was somebody who's got a smaller model from their twitter one of the stats people i follow but that person very heavily weighs expected goals in their um in their prediction models so like you're saying the devils have shown you throughout the course of this regular season that they are the better team over the course of the regular season the regular season does not mean what that is what's going to happen in the playoffs. The example I always give people with this is the Oilers and the Jets in the 2021 playoffs when they were in the North Division. The Oilers beat the Jets every single time they played in the regular season except one. I believe the Oilers went 6-1 and one against the Jets in that North Division in the 2021 season. The Jets swept the Oilers out of the playoffs in four games. That tells you just how much the regular season matters. You get the hot goalie. In that case, it was Connor Hellebuck. In this case, for the Rangers, it would be Igor Shosturkin. Like you said, if you said Rangers in four, I would assume Vanacek imploded and Shosturkin stole a game or two. And they and it worked. That's what makes this so interesting. And along those lines, Vanacek has played three career games in the playoffs. 
Two of those were in 2021. One of those was in 2020. That was when he was on the Capitals. Shesterkin has 21 career playoff games, including last year, the one game he played in the bubble playoffs against Carolina. So you, you talk about variance and experience. And one of the things you can have that'll mitigate some of that variance we're talking about is experience. Has your team endured some adversity? Does it know how to respond to challenges? You hear teams that have been through the wars of the playoffs talk about all the time. When you have that institutional knowledge of guys who have been there over and over again, they know what you need to bring to what type of setting, how to read the room, who needs to speak up and when. That's something that the Rangers have a decent sized edge in. The Devils have a couple guys with a lot of experience. You think about Palat, Dougie Hamilton, Eric Howla. They've got a couple guys who have significant playoff track records. But in terms of the stuff you can control that's away from the game, the Rangers have a group that went through this last year, added two guys in Tarasenko and Kane who have extensive playoff experience that you know the Rangers coach and Gallant has been to a cup final at Vegas. They have just enough experience. So if they lose on on ice randomness, you know, you can live with that. But if it they get their blow, doors blown off because, you know, they didn't read the vibes right. Like, you know, everybody, the example I always go back to is the Sharks coming back against Vegas and Gallant just not calling a timeout at any point during the Sharks' four-goal comeback when Joe Pavelski got his head knocked off. I mean, what, if you lose that way, then I'd be mad. But you lose the randomness, the variance, okay, I can live with that. Yeah, well, listen, they got Barclay Goudreau and his rings for this moment, right? Like they they over He's up. He's man. the counterbalance. He's the counterbalance. Yeah. He was on the other side of that. He scored the game-winning goal against Gallant. That, that's right. That's probably the single biggest reason Goudreau's on the Rangers was Gallant said, we can get this guy. He yeah. beat me in a playoff series. Right. Get him on my team right well, now. Yeah, well, they they paid him a bunch of money for a bunch of years because he has rings. Like this is this is his moment. This this is if 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 Barclay Goudreau is ever going to show the Rangers that, that that you know maybe don't buy me out or don't trade me this is it this is his time to score four goals for reasons because hockey is weird not like, even this, to score goals just it. to be just to be the guy who you know if everybody's hanging out at a party and there's one guy sitting at the over end of, other end of the room by himself. And everybody's like, is that guy okay? Did you invite him? No. Where did he come from? That's kind of what the Rangers need right now from Gaudreau is when one when something inevitably goes wrong, because this is playoff hockey, someone will get a bump, a nick or a bruise. I'm sure Ryan Lindgren will leave the ice at least two and a half times during the course of these seven games. When that happens, Gaudreau needs to be the one to look up and down the bench and go, hey, we got this. My line has been the best line on this team for the last month. We'll take care of this. <laughs> Yeah, my my Corsi, my Corsi. Yeah, yeah but you know, it, it's this this is what they got these players for. Obviously, yeah. Tarsenko and Kane are are good offensive players, but they got Goudreau literally because he has rings. So yeah. this is this is his moment to to step up in the locker room and on the ice and show like, hey, you gave me this wild contract, and I still can't believe that you gave me this contract. But here we are anyway. <laughs> Now, now is my chance to sh- to prove to you why you gave me this contract. This is my opportunity to 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 say say the right things and play the right way and make the right decisions and et cetera, et cetera. Like this is what the Rangers went out to acquire. So, all right, well, let's see it. Like, let's see because everybody everybody loves talking about you know the 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 old adage of well. Stanley Cup experience. That guy has rings. That guy. It's like, okay, well, that's great. Now let's see it in action because this is the time. And there's been a lot of 
a lot of talk from the Rangers about Barclay Goudreau and his rings and his rings and his rings and his rings. Oh yeah, like, no, G- Gallant said it himself. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, game yeah. They, so, the game they the game made healthy so, scratch Lafreniere back in December. Yeah. They go, well, if Goudreau makes a mistake, he's won two Stanley Cup rings. Right. So what am I going to tell him? Well, coach, I don't know if you know this or yeah. not, but that is in the past, and right, we are trying exactly. to wait so, today. Like, you know, now is the time for players like Goudreau to show us what everybody's been talking about for the past season. Yeah. The entire season has been about his rings and about his, his experience. Okay. That's great. Now we're here. Let's see it in action. Because if we don't see it, I'm fighting somebody. I swear to God. Going to start biting people. Okay. <laughs> Speak, speaking of the decision-making and that of that ilk of matchups, and we know Gallant abhors the hard man for whatever reason. He's He does not go to the NBA school of we put our best guy on their best guy and we try and outlast that guy. Gallant very much is... I'm sticking to my rules. If I need to win a faceoff in the offensive zone, I'm sending the fourth line out there because they're going to win the faceoff in established zone time. I'm not going to go out of my way to get Zabinijad out there against Jack Hughes, etc. When I was looking earlier, one of the things that jumped out at me in the statistics was Zabinijad and Kreider, not particularly good against Jack Hughes. Not They got outscored, I want to say, 3-1 to one in like 11 and a half, 12 minutes of play. Good numbers against Nico Heischer. Granted, that a lot of that ice time was not when Timo Meyer was on the devil. So Meyer and Heischer may be a little bit different of a dynamic than what the Rangers had seen earlier this year. But that's a matchup the Rangers can definitely lean on. I'm very concerned that a lot of this series is going to end up being the kid line against Jack Hughes. Because in the limited ice time, those two groups have gone head to head. The Devils have really outplayed them. Some of that is in part because of the defensive work that they had with them, where we talked about this a few weeks ago, where the results of the kid line with Adam Fox versus with any other defensive pair. So you really, I know it's against everything in the coaches makeup uh, to kind of look at these matchups, but especially when you have last change and you have home ice, you really need to be looking for them because that's what the good teams do. When you are going deep in the playoffs, you are finding matchups you can exploit. The one I always cite during the second round of the playoffs, two years ago, Oilers, uh, Islanders, Bruins, not, uh, no, um, excuse me, first round of that series, that season, Islanders, Penguins, where they put Travis Zajac out there and he had Sidney Crosby in hell. The scoring chances were 65-35. And we are talking about Travis Zajac, who retired after that season, against Sidney Crosby, who is still one of the 10 to 15 best players in the entire league. When you have a matchup that is working for you, you need to be able to exploit it. For the Rangers, that's going to be mean a few different things because the Rangers pretty much all of their lines aside from the fourth line kill offense first. They are not going to play the most defensively responsible of hockey, which means against a team like the devils that is so offensively oriented, even down in their bottom six, can you mitigate that enough? Can you find a matchup you like? Can you get Panarin out there against Eric Howell's line, as opposed to against Nico Heischer's line? Are you going to be able to get your fourth line out there against their second line? Is that going to work for you? What matchups can you exploit? Because if you want to go far, you need to pounce on those. It's really easy for the coach to fall back and rest on his laurels. But if they want to mitigate some of the problems they had, especially last year, you think about the first round, how that went, where Zabinijad really had a hard time against Crosby until Crosby got injured. Can you find matchups to exploit? And are you going to be willing to exploit them? Well, yeah, it's, it's, 
a lot of that is, or most of it, I should say, is on the is on Gallant. Like this is this is the make or break for Gallant right now. At least, at least in my eyes, because again, like we've had our our problems with Gallant's coaching this entire season, where he hangs on to timeouts as if he's going to sell them on the black market after the game. Like he, for whatever reason. Like, hates using a timeout even when the Rangers look like ass. Like when the Rangers give up multiple goals in very quick succession, he's like, ah, they don't need the timeout. It's all good. All good. We'll, you know, we'll climb back. If the score is like 12 nothing. Ah, it's all good. We'll come back in the second period. No problem. Nope. Like, ah, timeout. We don't need it. Like the Rangers love not using the timeout when they absolutely need yeah. to use their timeout. Gallant is is such a heinous example of when coaches hang on to their timeouts too much as opposed to just using it when they need to. Like if if the Rangers give up, for example, like let's say it's game one and two minutes in, the Devils scored two quick goals, call the timeout. Please call it. I don't Please. like like just call it, man. Like I, I, I understand the importance of potentially needing it down the down the line. I understand why you hold on to it in the third, you know, until the third period when things are even more intense than they are in the first and second. But if 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 you get out in the first playoff game, as an example, and and you give up quick goals, and all of a sudden, like Prudential Center is on fire, the de- the fans are are so loud, and the and the Devils have all this momentum, and Gerard Gallant is is standing there with his arms crossed, he's not calling a timeout. I will throw hands. Like you, at a, at a certain point, you have to call it. You have to use it. You have to wake up the. You have to wake the team up. You have to. You have to say something, because if you don't. The game is over. Like the, the, it, uh, you don't waiting, have time to wait. wait in the playoffs. Waiting, you don't have time. Right, waiting until the waiting until the intermission to say something when the when the the game is not going in your favor in the playoffs is going to lead to your team getting beaten and and destroyed in, in four games. Like that is how that, that that's how that goes. If you if you you know you get up to a bad start or in this middle of the game all of a sudden the Devils have scored three goals in a row and Gerard Gallant is sitting there chewing his gum or whatever that's not how you, that's not how you win winners change the winners change what is broken they and if, you, if you don't change what's broken it's going to continue to be broken and if you wait too long you're gonna have to get a new one. It's very simple: adapt or die. In the playoffs, you will meet adversity. How do you respond to the adversity? The Penguins adapted very well to the Rangers early in that series last year, and then the Rangers were able to counterbalance it back. What can you do to answer that adversity? So two things I wanted to highlight here because I have good numbers on this. So I mentioned before about the Rangers' fourth line being their best line. So since they got Tyler Mott, the Rangers' fourth line has a 53% of the goal share, 50% of the expected goal share, 61% of the high-danger goal share. That tells you they are getting the puck down low, they are cycling, and they are getting the puck on the net. That is sticky. When I say sticky, that means you can do it over and over again. It's replicable. When you are getting the puck down low and you are outworking your opponents, you can create a lot more quality of offense than the typical offense you would associate with gaining the zone with speed. One of those scoring chances from, say, the top of the circles, the outside of the circles, the the garbage, if you would. And then the other good numbers I have here that I found interesting was, so Patrick Kane, when he's played with Kreider in the time since Kane joined the Rangers, With him, 61% goal share, 52% expected goal share, 53% high danger goal share, 11% shooting, 
really solid numbers. You can tell that Kreider is doing a lot, some leg work because when he's not with him. So that would be in the situations where Kane has played with Panarin on the opposite wing. 53% of the goal share, 32% of the expected goal share, 30% of the high danger chances. And a lot of the goal share that difference is made up for with a 13% shooting percentage. So that, you know, that 2%, that's Kane and Panarin having more shooting talent to be able to shoot their way out of trouble. But that tells you that you really are going to need to be strategic here with how you're going to deploy your lines because the Devils are such a well-rounded team in that respect where if you invite the Devils into your zone with speed, which is something the Penguins did, were able to do a lot early in that series before Crosby got injured, uh, the Rangers typically, when someone's coming at them with speed, their defensemen are going to funnel inward at the blue line so they're close to each other to try and force the people coming into the zone with speed to go to the outside. That's what we always talk about where the Rangers want to keep the other team to the perimeter, those low-quality chances, shots, go the other way with speed. The Devils, if you let them do that, are really going to control large loss of the play. And that is is how I assume most of these games are going to shake out, which of course means, Andrew, the Rangers will once again be going as far as their goaltender can take them. That's right. The entire strategy for the Rangers is predicated upon Igor not blinking before the guy down on the other end. If you are going to let the other team volume you, that means he's got to be locked in. No crappy goals. If he's only getting beat on the really good stuff, that means you're more than likely going to be able to go far in these playoffs. If he has a rough game or two, or you lose a defenseman here and Ben Harper's back in your rotation, you're going to have a really hard time in this series because the Devils are so good at controlling play. The Devils have the puck more than anyone in the league. They are second in scoring chances, fourth in expected goals, sixth in high danger stuff. They love having the puck and they have the high in talent to put it in the net. So that means you got to do everything in your power to make your goalie's life as manageable as possible. Not easy, manageable. You know what you can get from Shesterkin. He's been outstanding the last month and a half. Absolutely outstanding. I know they're like 12-2-2 since the trade deadline, something gaudy like that. That's because of him. Well, I mean, if only Christopher put Lindgren on LTIR so he could get a defenseman so that we wouldn't have to see Ben Harper on the ice and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, but here we are. Yeah, the Rangers, like, are a a really, they are a a deep team and they can do a lot of damage, but they are literally one defenseman injury away from seeing Ben Harper. Like, that scares the living hell out of me. If if Lindgren goes down, or even if Schneider goes down, or Mikola goes down, we see Ben Harper, and I, I I can't for the life of me understand. We have seen this throughout the entire this entire era of Rangers hockey, the Lundqvist era and the Shostakin era, where there's a defenseman on the Rangers that is horrid, and yet the Rangers continue to play them. Like I don't I don't know why it, it this happens on every iteration of the Rangers since the dawn of time where everybody knows that Ben Harper isn't good at hockey. Everybody knows that he's very slow and can't defend and he's, you know, but he, but he hits people. So he must be good, but he, he punched Corey Perry. So give him half an hour of ice time. Like, okay, cool. Still can't play hockey. But the Rangers are like, Oh, well he's, he's, he stood up for the guy. So he's, he deserves to be at the seventh, the seventh defenseman, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, okay, we'll see how that, we'll see, we'll see how his, you know, three mile an hour 
top speed is going to handle Jack Hughes if need be. We'll see about that. You know, it 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 just it's baffling how a lot of fans fans like fans and people in power in the NHL use tropes to defend players. They love anecdotal evidence as, as opposed to what actually happens. Like they, lo- it's, they it's, like it's, anecdotal it's evidence. I, I under like yeah, it's 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 crazy to me, man. Like I understand that what Ben Harper did against Corey Perry like was good and it defended the team. And I and I get that. Like it's you know I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with that. But objectively, if you watch him play, he can't defend and he can't skate. Like at least, at least be able to do one of these two things. My, my, my man's can't do either. But the Rangers are like, oh well, he's he tall and he defend other. He, he defend his teammates, so he he play. It's like, dude, just come. Like the Rangers are one injury away from getting dumpstered because Jack Harper is literally skating circles around Ben Harper. Like that's what that's what we're that's what we're we're near that, and that's my fear. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. The Rangers stay healthy. If the Rangers stay healthy. I think they could win this. Like I think that they have a good chance of winning the series, but that it a lot of this hinges on the blue line's ability to stay healthy. If not, we see Ben Harper. We see we might see Libor Hayek. Like we might we might be getting into the into the depths of the ocean here. Like the Rangers defense has to stay together. Okay, so I want to do a little general playoff talk, but before we do that, I need your official prediction for the ledger. <sighs> Yeah, it's like it's always like it's tough because like I was thinking about this all day, and yeah. I, it's and it's so difficult to to predict this series in particular. Like for example, Bruins and Panthers. Bruins are winning the series. Like the Panthers, you know, might win a game. They might they might make it a little close. Bruins are winning. Like bar barring the entire team. You know, getting stomach flu and having they all the, apparently a lot uh, of the guys they do, the yeah. are sick. like yeah, like barring the entire team not being able to play for a week and a half, I would have to i i would i would bet a lot of money if I was a betting man that the Bruins are going to win this series. Not that I would make a lot of money because I feel like the the line for that is like negative a million that they will. But in any case, this series is so unpredictable. I'm going to say Rangers in six because of Igor Shosturkin because. Yeah. Because Igor can literally steal a series at any point in time because he's so good, the Devils don't have that. Akira Schmidt is is fine. Mackenzie Blackwood, he's a goalie. He's one of the goalies of all time. Like the the Devils don't have that top five goaltender that can have a 980 save percentage for four games and steal the series. He they don't have that. They they might have the faster skaters and they might have you know this and that over the rangers but ultimately where, where it comes down to it the rangers could give up, could give up 90 shots but if igor shesterkin stops 89 of them and the rangers have 17 shots and score th- on three of them rangers win the game so at the at the end of the day because i have so much faith in igor i'm gonna say rangers in six so uh, you saying that reminds me of the scene in Back to the Future where he's sitting in his mother's living room in the 1950s and he leans forward and goes, hey, this is a rerun. I've seen this one before. Yeah, that's exactly the formula for the Rangers in this series. They are going to get out chance. They are going to get out expected goals. Can the goalie do enough? 
And can you score enough on special teams to make up the difference at five on five? That is the formula. The Devils have arguably as much high-end talent as the Rangers do. The Rangers might be a little bit deeper. I think the Devils on the back end might just be a little bit more balanced where most of the Rangers' value on their back end comes from guys creating offense. Even Truba down the lineup, you talk about most of his value comes from creating offense. Whereas the Devils, you go further down their lineup, guys like Graves, Segan, Baller, et cetera, a little bit more defensively oriented. It's going to be harder to create offense against them. So I am also taking the Rangers. I have the Rangers in seven games, mostly based on the goaltending. I think Shesterkin is significantly better than Vanacek. I went and looked. Like I said before, Vanacek, three career playoff starts, Shesterkin 21. Shesterkin ended up 20, uh, excuse me, fifth in goal save above expected. The uh, Vanacek 14th in goals saved above expected. So Vanacek, solid season. Yeah. Never no. really done this before. Never yeah, really done yeah. this before, which is the biggest thing. That The track record really, when it comes to goaltenders, track record generally speaks volumes when you are one of the elite guys, when you are one of the five, six best in the entire league, guys like Vasilevsky, Ottinger, Soros, Shesterkin, you have a proven track record of success in the playoffs. I am more inclined to buy into that than say Vanacek getting hot for a week. I'm sure. not saying it can't happen. Yeah. I'm saying it's more likely. It's more likely. Yeah, I mean, like Vanacek is a good goalie. I'm not here to. He's solid. To, yeah, He's I'm solid. not. I'm not here to say that he isn't. Like he he has the ability to steal a game. But can he steal a series? Yeah. Shesterkin can do that. I don't think Vanacek can can steal an entire series. And that, to me, is the difference. Like, if the Devils had Sorokin on this team, just as a thought experiment, the Devils are winning the cup. Like, that, like <gasps> I feel yes. like that is is very, you know, it's not a hot take for me to say. Like, if, they, the had, if, they, if they had somebody like Sorokin in there, I mean... Good good luck. Good luck beating that. But yeah, like as as it stands, Vanacek is is fine. Like he's good in a in a regular series game in a regular season game. You know, like he's he's usually one of the best goalies that you can that you can you know pick out of a lineup. But in a playoff series, when the stakes are so vastly different, where you need consistency, you need to be able to steal multiple games. If you're you know if if you're a goalie, sometimes in order in order to win a series. He can steal a game. Can he steal a series at this stage? I don't think he can, but Igor has proven that he can. So I'm taking Igor. Okay, so we'll do four more minutes here. Okay, what series other than Rangers-Devils are you most interested to see? I am very interested in seeing, let me pull this up real quick, is uh, Minnesota and Dallas. I really... Very interested to see and what happens there because you take a look at the other matchups and maybe maybe a little bit of Oilers and Kings, but the, I like the Oilers are I think just going to win the series outright. The Kings goaltending isn't very good, so the Oilers are just going to score nine goals a game and they're going to beat the Kings and that's that's that. The other like the other matchups in the East are going to be fun to watch for sure, but Minnesota and Dallas that's going to be very cool because like both both of those teams could either get swept in the first round or win the cup. Like that, those two are so strange in that you don't you have no idea of what their floor and what their ceilings are. Both teams, Minnesota especially, is red hot after the deadline. They've been so crisp. They've Matt Boldy has been awesome. They've been playing such incredible team hockey over the past two months that, you know, it, it's hard to bet against them. But Dallas has also been really good. This whole this whole season, they've been good. Like, they, they each team ha- possesses the ability to sweep the other and literally run to the final. Or both teams have the ability to whittle each other down 
have have it go to a game seven in quintuple overtime and then lose in the second round because they're so exhausted. Like I could see that's like that series can go just about as many ways as Rangers Devils can. It is going to be a track meet, and I cannot wait to watch it. Yeah, uh, I was reading an article earlier today that Jake Onger's still kind of mad about losing to the Flames last year. Like he was talking about this like this week. So yeah, I'm very curious to see how that goes. I love the team Dallas has there. Really, really good high-end players. I'm very excited for the national TV audience to get familiar with the stylings of Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz. The Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn Greatest Hits album is still doing pretty well considering it's 2023. Jake Onger tried his damnedest to win that series by himself against the Flames last year. That's a very good team. The series I'm most looking forward to, and it's partly because I'm a sicko, is Islanders Hurricanes, because I, for one, cannot wait to see what happens when a team has 70 shots on goal, but it's against a literal brick wall, which is what, what uh, Ilya Sorokin's been this year. I It's a pure sicko hockey nerd thing <laughs> to want to watch a team try and win a game with 15 shots on goal like the Islanders are about to, but I, for one, cannot wait to watch that. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Like I, I tweeted this out a few weeks ago when when the the playoff tree was in question. It, it'd be very funny if the Islanders played the Bruins in the first round and Sorokin posted a ninety eight percentage and the and the Islanders won the series. Like yeah. I, I I genuinely like and I know Bruins fans are in my mentions and they were not happy about it. But like it, it genuinely would have been hilarious. Like as as just as just a hockey fan, right? Like I'm yeah. not rooting for the Islanders. I'm not rooting for the you know Bruins. Like as a hockey fan, it would genuinely be hilarious because the Bruins are such a juggernaut. They won a yeah. million games. They haven't lost since Vietnam. Like like they they are built to win the cup. And then they get to the playoffs, and then Ilya Sorokin doesn't let up a goal, and the Islanders win. Like that would just be hilarious. Oh, it'd it, be like Columbus beating Tampa. Exactly yeah, yeah, the yeah, same milk. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It would be, it would be it would be incredible. Like obviously we didn't get to see it, unfortunately, but it, I'm just saying like Sor- Sorokin has the ability to literally not give up a goal and just drag his team to the second round. Oh, I for one cannot wait to see it. It's one of my favorite exercises in futility. I enjoy doing it when it's not my team that's trying to do that. So watching the Stars, the Islanders, the okay. Jets. Anybody who's got one of the five elite goalies trying to beat a team better than them, I am very excited to see it. Absolutely. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue Podcast. I hope everybody enjoys the hockey tonight. If you're going to go check in on Joel Embiid and the Sixers against the Cam Thomas Nets, that's the the Nets. Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas, yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, Let's go Rangers. Let's do it. Later.